Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and this is the Talking Grammar Podcast. Glad you're listening. This is episode 35. Now, we've got a conversation coming up with Lobo basketball assistant coach Scott Paget in his first year with the Lobos, and you know, really, uh, really interesting conversation with Scott because obviously he's a well-known person in the in the professional and college basketball world. He was a former Kentucky national champion as far as um as far as that goes i i do talk to him about his uh his recruitment and his playing at kentucky and being recruited by rick patino but also about playing in the 1997 national championship game a game he actually lost he won a title the the following year in 98 of course but the 97 national title game he lost a national championship with the opposing center being one AJ Bramlett from from obviously from Albuquerque and La Cueva High School which is where now his kids go to school he has two obviously he has a son Logan who's a forward on the Lobo basketball team but uh, he has two other kids and and they actually go to La Cueva the unique thing and again something Scott and I talked about a little bit the unique thing is he he has a family that moved to Albuquerque this past summer to take the job with UNM and, and obviously with everything closed down and shut down and schools haven't opened up or anything yet, he, he has a family that really hasn't met anybody in, in Albuquerque yet. He His wife and three kids, um, of course, they, they know people on the Lobo basketball team and, and associated with that, but um, his – you know his oldest or his middle son, for instance. Um, he he's a he was second team all state offensive lineman in Alabama last year before they moved to New Mexico. He's a huge three hundred pound offensive lineman who who obviously, if you're a second team all state in Alabama, who, who you know a state that cares a little bit about football, um, he's pretty good. And uh, you know I I do ask him, and you can listen to his answer, but I ask him about the potential recruitment of his son. And um, with with Danny Gonzalez and the UNM Lobo football team and how that may or may not be going. But what's really tough on him and he has a younger daughter who's who's an awesome volleyball player, by the way, but I'm um, not quite at that recruiting level yet. But we're, we're talking about a, a football player and his middle son who, who missed his senior year and moved to a new state in the process. So it's not like he has established ties here and people that might be recruiting this area or La Cueva High School. Um, he, he hasn't even played for them. He's going to graduate potentially um, at, at this point. I, I do think schools will open up. But at this point, the guy's on pace to, to graduate without ever even really stepping foot in the high school he's going to graduate from. So really unique existence for the Paget family and everyone else who you know, had to make a move somewhere, especially to, to New Mexico with some pretty tight restrictions in during the pandemic. So we talk a little bit about that. But also we talk about, you know, his influences in, in basketball and, and how they've reflected on him as a coach, both as a an assistant coach through the years and and um, also as a head coach. He spent six years as a head coach at Samford before he came here. And and uh, what are his influences? Rick Pitino certainly was one. Jerry Sloan, who he played for with the Utah Jazz. He was a first round draft pick in the NBA. And uh, Jerry Sloan, Rick Pitino are two coaches that he's coached or that he's played for. And, and we talk about those influences. But he's also played with guys in the NBA like Carl Malone and John Stockton. He had, a, he had a cool story about what he used from them in his coach, like one of his basic coaching philosophies um, and, and one of the, the plays and stuff like that that he, he always uses is has to do with, you know, basic basic stuff he learned and, and things that John Stockton and, and Carl Malone made famous with, with Utah. So he uh, we have a good conversation about that, but also about Yao Ming, some cool stuff. So a lot of a lot of talk like that. Just wanted you guys to get to know him a little bit. I haven't really even got to know him that well. He hasn't got to know a lot of people here in New Mexico so far other than who he works with. So unique situation. Wanted to, to kind of it's mid-January and it's kind of weird that we're just doing it now. But 
um, wanting Lobo fans and, and the readers and of, of my work in the Albuquerque Journal and, and listeners to this podcast to finally get to know Scott Padgett a little bit. So that's what this was for. Um, did get cut short a little bit. Um, it, it About 25 minutes in, I'm, I'm, I had to wrap it up and kind of was getting the, the wrap it up from the SID um, at UNM. And, and that's that's me not quite understanding that they got to keep a schedule too. I'm, I'm more used to these things if we're having a good conversation going like the ones in the past went when I wasn't setting it up through UNM and and I was able to uh, you know talk to Jerome Robinson for an hour, Craig Snow for an hour, Chris Harriman way back when for an hour and and stuff like that. The, uh, we uh, When we got rolling, we, we talked for quite a while and those were enjoyable, but now I got to Got to keep a schedule. We're doing it through UNM and, and it's on their time. So um, I kind of had to wrap it up abruptly a little bit once we started talking about the Houston Rockets. So not a whole lot of UNM Lobo talk here, um, but we'll we'll do that in the future and look forward to that. And I do appreciate Scott for taking the time. He's, as I recorded this um, several days before it's going to post here, you know, he was he's out of state. He's in Utah and uh, they were preparing for UNLV when this went on. And and obviously, by the time this posts, I think their second UNLV game will have been concluded by then. So much appreciation um, for Scott for doing that. Much appreciation for UNM for for allowing it to happen. And um, hopefully you guys are enjoying these podcasts. Let me know what you think. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Grammer, G-E-O-F-F-G-R-A-M-M-E-R. And uh, you could always email me at ggrammar at abqjournal.com. And please, as always, follow our coverage in the Albuquerque Journal or online at abqjournal.com slash sports. Much appreciated. Hope you enjoy this conversation with UNM Lobo basketball assistant coach Scott Padgett. So what's up, man? How, how are things going? <laughs> it's a uh, it's a. Uh... Interesting, interesting uh, season, you know, like um, just living a whole year in a hotel and, and uh, you know, limited practice times and, and limited gathering times. It's just a, it's just different. It's something we've never, ever you never expected to have. You never planned to have. And it's just it just it just makes it just every day feels kind of weird. It does. And it's not something that. Like everybody has different opinions about a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. And and with this in particular, people have different opinions. But one thing I think everybody should agree on, and, and sometimes I think even that gets lost on us, is nobody knows how to handle any of this. Nobody knows how to go through any of this because nobody's gone through any of this. So the, the uniqueness of this, um, you know, to say there's no playbook for this is is not only accurate. I mean, it's it's uh it's very apparent and how different people are handling different things and it's just it's just weird man there's nothing nothing really to say about you know what you guys are going through other than it's unique and i can't wait till it's over <laughs> you're not the only one i can think of probably about 30 people right now on this trip that would like to get, just get back to normalcy i think you know it, it's not very little bit about this is is about basketball you know like you know right. like we have our limited time that we can be in. I think when they're on the court is when they feel the most normal, you know, whether that's the two hours of practice, it's during a game, it's whatever, you know, it's, that's when they feel the most normal. It's, it's, it's hard to sit around a hotel all day and, and everybody says, Oh, you can watch TV. And you mean, the only, you only want to lay around and watch so much Netflix, you know, at some point you get burned out, you know? And uh, so for, especially for young kids who this is, I mean, this is a time, college is a time of life that's supposed to be, you know, the most fun time of your life. And it's just, uh, 
it's just an awkward everyday kind of, it's like the movie Groundhog Day. You're starting yeah. over every day doing the same thing. You get up, you have breakfast, you watch film, you, you have lunch, you have practice, you walk through something and watch film at night, you go to bed. You know, it, it, it's, it's contagious to the, the mood, too. And it, it's hard. It's impossible in a group of 30 not to have one, two, five, six, seven a day that are just kind of, man, it's hard for me to get up today. It's hard for me, you know, not just to physically get up and wake up and stuff. I mean, it's just hard for me to get my mood and energy up. And you guys have that every single day and that stuff. That's what's hard to to combat in my mind, because coaches talk all the time about, you know, are you when it comes to energy, are you the one that takes it out of the room or are you the one that brings it to the room and to the group? And coaches talk about that stuff on teams a lot. What you guys are going through, it's impossible to have good energy every day. It just has to be. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough. Uh, you, you, and we change up a lot of different things trying to do, you know, like, you know, do something different to start practice, do something different leading up, you know, have some music going to get them going, you know, yeah. you, you try a lot of different things. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think um, their energy, considering everything they've gone through, their energy and practice uh, really is usually pretty good. Is it? Uh, it's the it's it's the walk into the bus and going walk into the meal where like you're constantly like you a know, lot of like that going on. That 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 and, and and that leads to you know, different things in practice, you know, as yeah. far as like, it's not how hard you're playing. Are you really, really focused when you get in practice? Are you listening to the things that are being said because exactly. you're totally locked in versus you've got a day of, of really being locked out. And then we got to find a way to get you locked back in and practice and focused. Well, so all this going on is obviously the, the big new, the, the newness of everything, the news of everything, the, the, in the moment, but a lot of Lobo fans still don't know you. Um, they, they know who you are. You're, you're, you're a well-known guy. You played in the league. You played at Kentucky. You're a well-known guy. Um, I, I want to kind of do a little more bio than, than Lobo specific, if we can, for a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. I, I want to start, before I go back to Kentucky, I want to start with, since we are talking a little bit about the uniqueness of what's going on now, you and, and all your colleagues there on staff are, are all people that have families back home too. Um, tell us, uh, you know, what the family situation is. Uh, I know you got kids, not only one on the team, but you got a couple other ones that are, that are athletes too. And I know we talked about this on a presser at some point, but let, uh, let people that might be listening know a little bit about the, the home front. Well, um, I do, I, my, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy. So like my life is my family and, and basketball that that's, that's what I do. I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, like hobbies and stuff. I'm not a golfer or a fisher. I can do all that stuff, but if I didn't do it, it wouldn't <laughs> bother me not to do it. You know, and you like, probably watch more, like, like you said, more Netflix the past couple months than you ever yeah. did before. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I watch, I watch a TV show or something like that, but it, really if I'm sitting, if I'm sitting in here tonight in the room, I'm, I'm probably more likely to watch a basketball game or be watching film on the next opponent or something than I am to, be watching a movie or something so yeah. uh you know like there it's a big part of it so you know for me even you know for you know being away from family is it, it's tough uh i've got you know obviously three kids logan uh, obviously is on the team and then uh my next oldest is lucas who's a senior in high school and, and right now it, it, to be honest with you it's a tough time for him because this is his senior year he's never stepped really foot in his high school that he's gonna graduate from and who knows if he will 
but um, you know, this he had a really big junior year in football. He's a he's a six five, three hundred pound lineman. Uh, I saw so I saw in the pregame. Six, four and a half, three, I was going to say, I saw in the pregame intros when the families were involved in, in Lubbock, I had three people ask me, holy, who is that? He's huge. Who is that guy? And I'm like, that's his <laughs> son, man. That's, that's yeah. his son. He could, he yeah. could anchor an offensive line. Yeah, right he's now. a monster. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a monster. And like, you know, he came off of being all state as a junior in Alabama where football is pretty big. And so it was a pretty good accomplishment. The guy who, who finished above him, because he was second team All State, the guy who was first team All State just won a national championship ring at Alabama. <laughs> he was a freshman this year at Alabama. That's some good company. He was uh, so he he had a really yeah. So he had a really good year, and like this is where like this off season would have been huge for him. You know, camps and different things, and, and you know, spring recruiting, and so like it's just really really made everything for him slow. Um. And so the tough part for him is like, can we get a, can we get a spring football season in, in Albuquerque, which would be really nice. Uh, or is it find the place that you believe uh, you have the best opportunity that you want to be at and you go, you know, be a preferred walk on or something and sh- and earn your role. And uh, I think, I think he's, somebody will get a steal in him one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, you know, very, very smart kid. You know, he's, Three three nine and thirty ACT, you know, like really smart. He's playing in the blue gray All American game down at Jerry World in, in Dallas uh, on the twenty third. I think is when it is. Uh, unfortunately, won't be there. But I told him I already pre ordered the DVD so I can watch him play football one time his senior year. Uh, but you know, like going through that for him this senior year, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to move anyway, especially when yeah. you had been entrenched in a place for eight years like we were. Uh, but but moving across country and not really knowing anybody and, and not being able to go in and meet people because he's a guy that would meet people and get friendly. Everybody mm-hmm. likes Lucas. Um, but just tough scenario for him. And then my daughter uh, is a freshman at La Cueva and same thing, hasn't been to school yet, but she plays um, volleyball and travel volleyball. And my wife coaches volleyball and teaches at the middle school over there. And so um, – they're, they're kind of getting to know some people, you know, uh, they know more people in Albuquerque than I do. <laughs> but, you know about, yeah. A handful of people that are around you all the time. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it, it's, it's just an interesting thing because of not just COVID, but moving to a place that's been shut down. And, and normally they would, my family moves into a place and they meet people and, yeah. and, and they're very outgoing and things like that. So uh that part of it's just, it's another dynamic, you know, adding to the dynamic. Uh, but um, as far as where we live, our house, uh, you know, uh, we sat out on the front before we got into season and move, we sat out on, we have like a front deck that kind of looks out over the sunset. Yeah. It's like, you haven't seen sunsets like that when you're in, you know, in the South and, and stuff like that. So like we sat out there for like, the first two, three weeks, every night, just watching the sunset. And just figuring out like, yeah, I was going to say figuring out what different colors you never even knew existed until you see, you know, New Mexico sunsets. And look, I I was born here um, minus three years where I I worked in Arizona for a while. Um, You know, I've been here my whole life and I, you know, I get accused of loving or hating the Lobos, loving or hating the Aggies, like all that kind of stuff. One thing that you know, I, I will take pride in is, is I love New Mexico um, and always have. And, and I do think that for all our warts that we may have in this state, like it is a welcoming place. And it's unfortunate that you guys haven't really been able to kind of 
have that embraced kind of feeling just yet. Um, you will, things will open up and all that will happen. But uh, I do think that you're going to, you know, I hope you guys are going to enjoy it, but it's been a heck, <laughs> heck of a rough start for a family moving to a state right now, you know? So, yeah, I, and it's one of those things uh, we've kind of, we got a little saying like we're the pageant five, you know, it's my wife, myself yeah. and the three kids. And like, we, we kind of are going to make it work wherever we're at, but uh, it would be nice to like really get to enjoy some of the things <laughs> that go on in, in the state. It, it's such a unique place that you, yeah, you have to experience some of it. And, you know, we can only tell you how many, so many times that it's a cool place. You know, trust us. <laughs> you got to go experience some of it. So hopefully that happens soon. You guys obviously, um, well, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask, um, is there a possibility for one of your uh, two high school age kids to maybe be playing in a Lobo uniform one day um, across the street and playing some football? I mean, is, is there, an, is that even an opportunity? I don't want to speak for Danny or have you speak for Danny, but like, is, is there any Wait, possibility? Danny, we'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I, I think it comes back to who we are. Like um, I, I, I'd be lying if I said that, that part of Logan's decision to come didn't have to do with that. We're a close family, you know, yeah. like uh, Logan's, uh, you know, and Logan and Lucas, their best friend are each other, you know, like they've been like that since, I mean, since, since Lucas came around, they've always just been boys. Like Lucas, when they were younger, tagged along, like wanting to be with his older brother. And then it gradually became like, that's my best friend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, would, would, Lucas uh, or and Logan both embraced the fact that if Luke, Lucas played football in Mexico for sure. And then obviously as a, as a parent loving having your kid around, you know, and, and being able to go to his, his games. Cause obviously if he goes somewhere else, um, you know, we're, we're once, once school starts around, we're in full mode. It, it'd sure. be hard to get to, to like games if he went somewhere else. So yeah, as, as, as a family, I think that's something we would definitely embrace. Sneak a couple more years of the pageant five being together, at least, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, let me go back to Kentucky, where people probably first started hearing the name. And um, you recruited by Patino, right? I mean, that you're for, for, at yep. first at, at Kentucky, you were a Patino guy. And uh, how did that work yeah. out? How was being recruited by Rick Patino go? So um, I was probably one of his easiest recruitments ever, you know, like. When Patino, I was always a Kentucky fan, but when Patino got there, I uh, it, it was going. I was eighth grade, so like you're starting to become more and more serious about sports and things like that. And uh, when he first got there, they had John Pelfrey and a guy named Darren Feldhouse, and then the next year was Mashburn, and they played uh, the two positions I could. I, I was probably going to play somewhere down the line were three and four at the time. Yeah, and so I modeled everything in my game around those three guys, how they played because I wanted to do the stuff they did and, and him like it. And I wanted to play there. Um, I tell everybody, he doesn't remember it. I actually worked the Derby as an usher uh, and I worked millionaires row his first year. And I said, yeah, I sat him at his seat and I told him as a, as a cocky eighth grader that I was going to play for him someday, which probably Um, a lot of cocky eighth graders tell him. I'm sure. So like, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't remember it when I told him on my, uh, when he, when he did our in-home visit, but uh, you know, it's one of those things like I, it was always my dream to play there. And, and then to be honest with you, Rick Patino watching him and who he was is probably what made me want to be a coach. Uh, okay. You know, when I was, you know, grown, like I knew 
like in high school, I knew whenever I was done playing, I wanted to coach. Um, and, and really I thought my playing days would end when college, I mean, you, when you're growing up in Kentucky, you don't really think about growing up and playing the NBA, at least at that time you didn't. Um, so my goal, my dream was to, to play at Kentucky and then some day, someday be a coach. And, uh, um, I would say he had a lot of influence on things that I did along the way, even though I was only with him for, you know, three years, um, a lot of he influenced a lot of things that I did even going to before he got there, you know, before I got there, sure. you know, things I was trying to do to get there. And then, uh, and then after I got there and even as a coach, uh, he influenced a lot of things that I did. And then obviously yeah. while, while you're there, you guys had a little bit of success, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky enough. I, I mean, arguably, you know, the five years I was at Kentucky are arguably the best five years in the history of school when you go straight through. I mean, we, we went uh, – Well, we well short, of you, yeah, short of UCLA, I mean, that you, you're not going to have any stretch of yeah. five years. Yeah, those five years were, program. We went, yeah. we, went elite, we went Elite Eight championship, runner-up championship Elite Eight, and both of the Elite Eight games could have – you know, you were right there, could have been Final Fours, you know. Um, I want to ask you about one of them. Um, not Elite Eight. But uh, 1997, not 98 when you won it, but 1997. And the reason I'm asking, I I, I know I mentioned you were probably in Arizona at the time. Well, <laughs> I wasn't in Arizona then, but I know who was in Arizona then. A guy who happens to uh, be a, a La Cueva graduate himself and an Albuquerque kid, and that's AJ Bramlett. Do you first of all have you since you have kids now at La Cueva? Um, do you know AJ and do do you remember him at all? Uh, the only thing I know about AJ is I was owing two, you know, like I was owing two against him. We he actually they beat us in '97 in the championship game, and uh, then they turned around and we played them in Maui the next year. I didn't know about Maui. Only, yeah, uh, I didn't know about Maui. I didn't realize yeah, that. they they played us in Maui. It was the only time I lost by double figures in my whole career. They 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 kicked our butt in Maui. Uh, I think well, they beat us by like 13 or 14. So he's he's a, he's kind of one of the the local Mr. New Mexico basketball guys that like you know he he was on that team obviously um and as a La Cueva guy I, I hope you get to know him I hope you I hope you meet he, him and, and you get he to was him. he was uh I would say like a perfect just perfect fit for what they were doing like he he defended he rebounded uh they had that three guard lineup that they kind of rotated with four guards but it was like Dickerson Bibby Simon and Jason Terry. So though they had all the weapons in the world at the guard spot, and then they had uh, AJ and a guy named Bennett Davidson, yep. and then they brought Donnell Harris and a guy named Eugene Edgerson off the bench, and those guys did all the dirty work. They rebounded all the balls. They dove on the floor for loose balls. They helped on defense better than anybody. And then what happened, those other guys commanded so much attention that, like, they're on that baseline and their man steps up and then they're done. You know, they're getting the catch finish dunks and they, they probably, you know, like, I don't know if any of those guys would say it, but they, they probably didn't get as many, like, just throw me the ball in the post. Let me go <laughs> one-on-one touches as they would like Yeah, but for that team. They were the perfect compliment guys. And, uh, and, and I say compliment, but like, to me, there's, there's all-star level role players and they were that for them. And, uh, and you couldn't wear what what we usually did with teams that year was wear them down, and they had four bigs so they could keep rotating, and and uh, they had the four guards so they could keep uh, keep rotating so we couldn't wear them down. 
uh, like we did most teams. Like usually like you hang with us, you hang with us, you hang with us. In the last five, ten minutes of the game, we make a run and that's the game. And we couldn't we couldn't do that with them. Well, he's he's a guy that can certainly show off his ring to you sometime if you meet. But you, <laughs> you fortunately have some rings you can show off to. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I told everybody like in 98 when we won it, like Arizona was still the team that we felt like it was a bad matchup for us. And I, I think, uh, you know, Rick Majerus in Utah for knocking them off in the Elite Eight <laughs> so that we didn't have to play them. <laughs> That's funny. You dropped a Rick Majerus reference, and I'm, I'm telling you, dozens, you know, if anybody listens to this podcast, like dozens of time a year, I still get people mentioning Rick Majerus in some fashion. He was a very popular opposing coach here in Albuquerque and in the pit. So he loved Sadie's, one of the local restaurants. And before they – I'm even sure went, he liked a lot of the restaurants. He did. But he would <laughs> – before they would go to the team hotel, he would uh, – like the bus – the team bus would stop off at Sadie's to get to go orders and stuff. And he uh, – anyway, very popular opposing coach here in, in Albuquerque and always had good things to say about the pit fans that you, again, unfortunately haven't been able to experience yet. But – Look, you parlay your Kentucky career into a first-round draft pick in the NBA, which you said, you know, even growing up, that wasn't even the goal. Uh, or maybe it wasn't – I shouldn't say it wasn't the goal, but it wasn't what you were expecting. Were were you surprised that you you rose to the level of first-round NBA draft pick? Um, when I came to Kentucky, the, the thought process was I was the token guy from Kentucky that was going to get on the team, and, <laughs> and I would probably never play. Um and, and I don't think it was as much about how good I was as how good the guys that were there in front of me were, you yeah. know, like I was recruited very heavily. Like I, I, I had a handpick of, of you name it, top 25 schools that I could have went to, but like at the time when I got there, we had Roderick Rhodes, who's a first round pick. We ended up having Antoine Walker was the same year. First round pick Walter McCarty, first round pick Mark Pope, uh, second round pick, uh, uh, and just the, all those guys were playing my position, the two positions I could play. So like, I don't think anybody ever thought I would be able to beat any of them out to, to get on the court. And just so happens at that time is when guys started leaving early. So uh, I don't know if I, if, if they all stayed, if Antoine Walker stays four years, I don't play, you know, like yeah. he, he left, he left the, I, I red shirted the 96 season and he, uh, he left after 96. If he comes back for 97, 98, I'm not, I'm not 97, 98. I'm not playing. I'm a one-year starter versus a three-year starter. I'm, I'm curious if uh, when you get to Utah, I mean, I was just looking at it, like some of the guys you played, I asked you about Patino, but you played for Sloan. Um, that's what, what influence does he have on who you are now as a coach? And um, toughest guy, toughest guy I ever met. Like, yeah, I, I, I try to preach toughness. Uh, he, he's the toughest guy I ever met. Like if, if there was a, if there was a fight with the team out there, uh, you know, and, and Shaq, Jerry Sloan's in the middle of it. You know, like he ain't he ain't backing down from nobody. Yeah, you see videos of some of that, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he was a uh, No, just a tough, hard nosed guy. Uh, you had to be mentally tough to play for him. You had to be physically tough to play for him. Uh, but. You know, if you if you got in there and you're playing for him, you knew you were tough because he didn't play anybody but tough guys. Some of your teammates included uh, Stockton Malone. What do you learn from them? Um, I play like I, when I my past six years as a head coach at Sanford, like 
I, I ran a lot of stuff through my point guards. Like almost everything that I taught through to my point guards was something I learned from watching uh, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson. You know, I, I was lucky enough to play with some phenomenal point guards. And I played with uh, Stockton and, and Mark Jackson in Utah. And then I played again with Mark uh, in Houston. Uh, but Stockton was the just ultimate pro. Like he, he showed up to work early. He worked hard. He, he stayed a little late. He, he worked hard. Uh, and then he went home and he, he was with his family and spent time with his family. And then he come to work and put in, a, you know, put in his time and work and do all the right things and, and, and never, ever did anything wrong. Never late to anything, never talking back, nothing. He was just the ultimate big time, you know, great soldier. And then Carl is probably the guy I was closest to. I was there for four years, but, I, you know, like he's the guy that I was probably closest to out of any teammate uh, that I ever had through any of the places, just because like he took me on as like a little brother almost when I got there and helped me get through tough times when I wasn't playing. And, and, and I've just learned a whole, whole lot from him uh, just how to position your body, different things, work ethic, you know, what you're doing in the offseason, all those kind of things. He, he was he was a big brother for me. He was a guy, too, that obviously – I know you kind of were at the back end of their run at Utah, but, like, he, he was as good then at the end as, as he was throughout his career. I mean, I don't know that you played with a better player than him, did you? His second MVP was the year before I got there, and he was still, you know – First year, you're getting 40 points in a playoff game. You know, like if, uh, his last year with the Jazz was my last year with the Jazz. He's still getting 40 and averaging 21 and 10. You know, like he's uh, – uh, you talk about very few people have ever, ever taken care of their body like like Carl Malone did uh, yeah. throughout his career. And uh, just a testament to, to hard work, toughness, physicality, like, uh, you know – fighting mentality you know like he fights you on every possession yeah i'll uh i mean I, we, we've gone at this for a while now and i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up i do want to ask you about one other nba stop and then samford and then we'll wrap this up so two two more here yao okay. ming i just the playing with yao ming I, a lot of people see seven six and and wonder if it's just sort of a for lack of a more polite term like people thought of yao as just this kind of freak show way too tall this and that but he was actually a really skilled i thought player and uh really i mean he was he was a good basketball player i thought um first of all he was a true center yes so so i'm taking like to me i'm taking duncan and garnett out of this and and you can throw Nowitzki in there too but like he's the most skilled big man that played during my time he could shoot the like we didn't let him, but if you went and practice and watched him, like he could shoot the three. He he he. If you pushed him off the block to fifteen foot, he shoot it from above his head. You you're not getting anywhere near no. it. He, no. he can make that all day. He he had, you know, different passes over the shoulder. Uh, he he could go middle fadeaway baseline. He he had to hook. You know, like uh, he was very very skilled. And unfortunately for a lot of people who who you know younger people now that maybe didn't get to see him much. Like if he didn't have the foot injuries, he, he would have, I mean, 
he would have been one of the best. I, I watched him. I mean, we played him in the first round. We played the Lakers in the first round. He's going against Shaq, and he he went back to back like 43, 43 points. Yeah. You know, nineteen rebounds. Turn around, thirty six points. You know, sixteen rebounds. Like like he was he was big time. Now now all, d- defensively, he was a little slow footed. So pick and roll hurt hurt us sometimes when he was in there. But he he was a good defender in the post versus the old school true bigs. It's just you know pick and roll would hurt you at times. But but offensively he's as good as a center as as you could have out there. It was just short short. You just get a short window of it because I think it was like seven years. Yeah, you know, before the foot. Well, let me let me bring it home full circle here with this. You you talked about Yao Ming, Carl Malone, some of the NBA influences, and some of the players at Kentucky. What do you take from all that with how you coach now? I know. It's been said you're you're working a lot, you're focusing a lot with the Lobos on offense, and you're focusing on big men. What do we see? And it's, it's not fair to the players to suggest any of those put those names in the same category. But I'm curious if there's something that fans might watch that that they would recognize as influence through the years that that you might be trying to get a Byron or a Valdir to to start showing that maybe through the years you learn from some of those names. Well, the, the, the hard, the hard part is just the, the lack of one-on-one time that we've been able to have with them. But like, we've, we've worked a ton on just positioning and pre-catch positioning for bigs, you know, like, uh, you know, if you, if you do your work early, getting that deep catch and it's something they've never worked on in their life. Like Valdir has been the guy, like, if you could just throw me the ball anywhere, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 6'10". I got long arms. I'll just shoot over you. You know, like he's never worked on that in his life. So it's something that um, you'll see glimpses of right now. Uh, and we'd like to keep seeing more and more of. But like if Valdir, I told him, like if, if we work on the timing and when you're supposed to duck in and, and, and those things, if, you, if he gets that ball at like six feet, he can turn around and shoot that hook on anybody. You know, and I, I – and, and it's hard to guard. He's got a seven five wingspan. He's six six nine six ten. I mean, if he catches at six feet, he shoots it so well. But if you catch it at twelve, it's a different shot. And and a lot of that is due to like pre catch, you know, like work that you got to put in. And sometimes I think when you've scored it so easy, like he did at junior college, yeah. that you think if I just catch the ball, it's a bucket. Versus if I catch the ball where I want it, it's a bucket. And so he's, he's getting better at that. He's learning. He's, he, I thought, you know, obviously it wasn't a ton of points, but I thought his run in the second half, when, when we went on our run, uh, he had like two buckets, two assists and some blocks on the other. Like that, that was him on a regular probably in ju- junior college. And we're seeing it a, in a glimpse now, but now he's got to work probably to get that versus he probably didn't have to work that hard in junior college. So we're trying to work a lot on pre, uh, you know, pre-catch footwork, pre-catch positioning. um, And then just the little technique of a lot of things that, um, you know, you hate to say it, but you know, there's, there's, you know, there's not a lot of time. If you're playing AAU basketball and that's your only way into the United States, you know, that that's, that's Byron's case. They don't have, you know, 20 hours a week of practice, you know, they, they, they got guys coming in from different States and all this stuff. So teaching fundamentals is a process and it takes time. And, and that's what we're working a lot on them. And, and you might not notice those things until they're, they're getting a lot better at them. You know, like I, I notice it when you see it on the film and there might be five plays out of that whole film where you're like, 
boom, you did it right. So you show it to them. And, and then you show them a couple where they didn't do it right and say, look what you ended up getting here. You know, like you're posting and you're behind the dang backboard right now. You're, get, you're, you're taking away one of your two options. Well, if I'm a good defender, I'm going to take away the other one. <laughs> you know, like yeah. so, so uh, you know, just working on a lot of just fundamental things with those guys that, that you know, would have been nice to have, you know, where I could sit there one-on-one in a gym with them and, and just go through the things. Just something little as simple as, uh, you know, spin outs and, and, and uh, you know, things as far as getting rebounded position, spinning out and wedging under, you know, like little things like that. Never heard of it. He just pushed, you know, he, Byron would usually just push somebody and try to get the rebound. You know, now we're working on, you know, trying to, you know, set them up one way and spin out and seal. And, and then, you know, you're underneath wedge back out so that you can get the position. So those are, those are little things that a lot of people probably don't even think about when you're thinking about the game of basketball, but those can be little things can make a huge difference for them. All of a sudden Byron's getting five offense rebounds and, you know, putting three of them back in. It's a different game. That. Well, so, so it is coming along. It sounds like things are progressing. And uh, um, look, the, the, the road doesn't exactly get easier. But I, I appreciate you for taking the time to sort of walk us through some of that. I know a lot of Lobo fans just, you know, they, they still want to get to know you. They haven't got to know you yet. So <laughs> um, it sounds like things are progressing. You are seeing progress, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and, and again, it, it's one of those things like um, when you miss out on so many opportunities for practice, like – now you have to progress in a shorter amount of time. We got to figure yeah. out, all right, we got two hours of team practice today. What, how can I progress them? If it's through film, if it's just me in the ballroom showing them something, you know, like we're trying to find little pieces here and there to try to progress these guys to, to get them to the next step. Well, I look forward to picking your brain down the road um, more specific to the Lobos and maybe what some of that progress is, but, but Hey man, look, as I record this, I'm not posting the podcast for a few days. Um, so as I record this, I, I know you got stuff to get to you guys, you guys got some preparation to go. Um, and and you're in Utah right now, as we record this. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I really do. Um, and and I hope things, you know, sometime soon get to whatever the heck normal is going to be. Um, I I hope it gets there soon, man. I I hear you. I think, I think everybody would, I mean, you know, like, you know, we have, we have our issues, but everybody else in the world has issues with it too. And so like, it would be nice to, I don't know when that date is, but when it gets back to, to somewhat, you know, normalcy, I, you know, just where you can go to like a movie theater, you know, or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Just what, yeah, whatever everybody's <laughs> normal out. is. Yeah. Whatever everybody's normal is. Hopefully they get it soon. Scott, I appreciate you, man. Good luck uh, with the games coming up and I uh, look forward to get, like I said, look forward to doing this again with you sometime soon. Sounds great. Good talking to you. All right. Thanks, man. Okay. Well, there you go. There's my conversation I had last week with, UNM Lobo basketball assistant coach Scott Paget that was recorded before the UNLV series and obviously the team is on the road um, have been most of this year uh, all of this season basically and they are in right now they're spending about a almost a two-week period in the St. George Utah slash Las Vegas Nevada area they played Dixie State last Wednesday about two hours from St. George, Utah is Las Vegas, and that's where the UNLV two-game series was. And then they host, technically, San Jose State University at Dixie State in St. George, Utah on Thursday and Saturday. So that'll be their next Mountain West series, and they're technically the home team, but they will be doing that in Utah. So that was why they went out and played Dixie State last week and bus ride to UNLV. That's uh, that's the state of uh 
that's how things are going. That's a, that's the um, the state of global basketball this year is bouncing from from Lubbock to Boise to Houston to St. George, Utah. And uh, we'll see if some things change. I, th- I think there's some news coming soon about some changes in practice situations for the universities in the state of New Mexico. And um, we'll hopefully hopefully have some news on that pretty soon. And for this conversation, though, or for this podcast, rather, I mean, I hope you enjoyed that with uh, with Scott Padgett. I will have more with him, more specific to Lobo basketball, but he's a name that I think a lot of people recognize in the basketball world. So I wanted to kind of go through the bio with him a little bit and um, talk about his experiences in both the NBA and in college a little bit. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to do that again sometime. Sorry if it felt a little rushed. I, I, um, like I said, I, I I didn't realize I had a time limit on the uh, the conversation when I talked with him. So uh, when it was when I was getting the wrap up sign, I I uh, kind of rushed through some stuff there. My apologies. So let me know what you think of this podcast and and all the content we're bringing you at abqjournal.com slash sports. And as always, my my usual ask here is first of all two things. One is however you got here, however you're listening, I appreciate it. If it's iTunes, if it's through Spotify, if it's through the SoundCloud link that I I usually post, or even just do the journal. If there is a opportunity to subscribe to this podcast, please do so. It helps us out a lot with the numbers. Leave a review, leave a comment. You can always get me on social media or email. You can do the same and email my bosses. Let them know you appreciate this content. Or if you don't, let them know you don't appreciate this content. And um, just give us feedback. Feedback is how we continue to do our jobs. But also in the conversation of subscriptions, Support local journalism. It's why we still get to cover Lobo basketball, even in a season that we're not allowed to be in the gym sometimes and we're not allowed to go to any practices. It's why Scott Padgett, an assistant coach of the UNM Lobos, and I have the guy who covers them regularly for the Albuquerque Journal. We haven't even met in person really at this point. So it's a unique season, but the Albuquerque Journal is doing its best still, devoting the resources to cover it as best we can. And I hope you guys are appreciative of that coverage for all sports in this crazy season. Um, and, uh, you do that by subscribing or logging into abqjournal.com slash subscribe and be greatly appreciated if you did support local journalism and this content and hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'll have another one next week, episode 35 here today of the Talking Grammar podcast with Scott Patchett. Hope you liked it until next time. <laughs>